The sad irony of this special edition of 24 Hour Nation's 24 Minutes podcast is that this interview about active shooting was recorded in Dallas, Texas, to the hour, 59 years after the assassination of American President John F. Kennedy. We pause first to remember those who have been terrorized by gunfire in settings for education, faith, business, and leisure. There is no official definition of mass shooting in the United States. However, the United States Department of Justice's definition seems to be the most accepted. Its National Institute of Justice defines mass public shooting as an incident in which at least four victims were killed with firearms in a single event. Most Americans can name one mass shooting that haunts them. The schools, churches, synagogues, businesses, workplaces, a country music bar in Thousand Oaks, California, a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, a music festival in Las Vegas, Nevada, a nightclub in Orlando, Florida, and now a bar in Colorado Springs, Colorado. These last five settings have some things in common, nightlife, entertainment, conviviality, enjoyment, friends, and they were all planned assaults. There are both calculated and impulsive shootings in America, planned and unplanned. Today we're talking about nightlife and firearms, how bars, clubs, restaurants, hotels, theaters, festivals, and other nighttime settings can avert terror. My guest is nightclub and nightlife security expert Robert C. Smith, CEO and president of Nightclub Security Consultants. Thank you for coming back to 24 Hour Nation's 24 Minutes podcast, Robert. This conversation today is a special conversation inspired in part by what's happened this past week in Colorado Springs. Wanted to have a conversation with you about businesses and nighttime operations, festivals, etc., and how they can prevent active shooters. Now, the first thing you have insights about there being two types of active shooters. Tell us about that. So quickly, my my background on on doing this got me involved after Columbine, and I started learning about why they did it, why Klebold and Harris did what they did, the reasons behind it, how they pulled it off. And then I started a broader scope looking, and I realized after about a month of looking at these around the world, there were two types. The planned shooter that thinks about what type of gun, thinks about the location, thinks about how they're going to do it, how they're going to kill as many as they can, practices with their gun, goes to the range, scopes out their location, visits it, surveils it, and then returns to conduct their attack. That's the planned guy. We've seen that with Pulse. Uh, evidently, it looks like this is going to be a planned attack in Colorado Springs where they planned this. This wasn't spur of the moment. And the other type was the unplanned, which is actually the most common in the hospitality industry. The unplanned is the illegal concealed carry person. They bought a gun off the street. They're, they're carrying their gun for what they perceive as safety or clout or to feel good that they have it. And they go out to the club or the festival or the concert. The night goes great. They go home with their gun. No one even knows. But if their shoes get stepped on, they get too drunk, they get in an argument, then the gun comes out in a moment of rage, three people shot, six shots, 
and they run and they leave. They're not a planned active shooter. Not to diminish the tragedies of these kind of more heinous and plotted out attacks, these impulsive or unplanned shootings are more common. Do we know what the well, you always hear the argument about, well, yeah, you want to take away my gun, but look at Chicago, all those shootings up there. Those are really kind of the unplanned, impulsive, somebody gets pissed off and pulls out their gun and shoots kind of thing. What's the ratio? So I have I have numbers. Um, I don't have them in front of me now. I can tell you there are there are planned shootings every three months. Right. Now, we make it two in a month, but then we won't have any for six months. On average, since 2016, there have been one planned shooting every three months. However, on the unplanned shootings in the hospitality industry, restaurants, bars, clubs, lounges, hotels, there's one every night. Now, the numbers sh clearly show unplanned shootings are way more common, one a night in our country since 2016. And this takes place not only in the venues, but sometimes outside of the venues, like in nightlife districts or in the parking Correct. lot. Correct. Okay. That's that's the new trend where bars are becoming harder to get in. Remember, it used to be the discussion of hard target, soft target. They've said, you know what, we're going to start checking more at the door. Okay. They become a harder target. So now the gangsters or troublemakers or problem people carry their gun, but they'll leave it outside in a bush in their car. Then they leave the club after the fight. Someone runs to get the gun and comes back in the street, in the alleyway, and that's when the shooting erupts. Okay, and so these two different types of active shooters require different responses. Even American school children are taught now how to respond to an active shooter, a planned shooter, run, hide, fight, run, hide, fight. You know, we hear this. They come home from school saying we learn how to run, hide and fight today. And many adults, perhaps women more than men, assess settings and escapes when they go out at night, run, hide, fights in their head. At Club Q, the gay bar in Colorado Springs, a 300 pound Latino man father was enjoying the drag show with his wife, daughter and their friends when the gunman began firing. He did not run. He did not hide. What do we know about what Mr. Fierro did and what needs to be the discussion around fighting when it comes to planned shooters in nightlife business settings? I got to tell you, every time I hear the way you lay that out and I hear it on the news, I get goosebumps because what he did is what we, we can all do if we think about it and we formulate a plan. We've been creating plans as humans, as adults, with our kids, our families. We've been creating plans forever. If you've ever been to Disneyland, you probably told your friends, hey, if we get separated, meet at the castle. That's a plan for an event when you get lost or separated. You tell your kids at 12, they get to go on their own. Hey, if we get lost in one hour, we meet here at the castle. Why aren't we teaching our young people to think about these things, to plan for this? Now, Mr. Fierro, God bless him, he had military service. He had He's had this ingrained in him for 30 years. You don't need 30 years of training to do what he did. If you can understand what is evolving in front of you. One other witness at the, at the shooting he said, I heard shots and I ran. Okay, that's perfect. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He ran into the bathroom, shut and locked the door with a couple of performers and they hid. Perfect. They were not in the position that Mr. Fierro was in. Mr. Fierro had already had the boyfriend of his daughter shot and he eventually died. Mr. Fierro reacted based on his military experience. He assaulted the gunman, the gun holder, pulled him to the ground, disarmed him. We can all do that if our minds are open that this can happen. This needs to be discussed openly. No one needs to be a hero. 
If you can run, run. If you can hide, hide. But if you can't, or you have the wherewithal, because as in this case, the gunman was already past Mr. Fierro. He had the opportunity to run from behind and grab the gunman. That was textbook what I teach in all my classes. Okay. And again, like you said, it doesn't require 30 years of you know military knowledge and experience to do that. God love the drag queen who came over and backed Mr. Fierro up and started stomping on the shooter in yeah. the high heels. So you're basically saying when, when you or your uh, consultancy goes into nightclubs, bars, restaurants, hotels, nightlife districts, and you train and you work with people, you, you spend a little bit more energy on the fight aspect how how what do you tell people to discern when it's best to fight it's okay to fight we have a four-hour active shooter training course uh -huh. where we use simulated guns blank guns simulated weapons and we don't spend more than 20 minutes of that four hours talking about running or hiding that's that's ingrained in everyone in our country because of what you said school training i've been training schools since 1999 i was a police officer i was a detective and we taught run and hide to children they know that. And if you look back at Pulse Nightclub, people laid on the ground hiding in plain sight and they were shot in the back of the head or the body because they were taught run and hide. They don't teach the fighting part, Randall. They don't teach it anywhere. They teach run and hide. The police will save you. Mr. Fierro had that added extra training on fighting, on aggressive. In our country, we have been taught for years the victim mentality, run mm -hmm. and hide. The police will save you. Right. The military will save you. Someone will save you. You don't need to save yourself. Well, that's wrong. We need to change that mindset to if I'm in the position that I can stop someone, yes, I may get injured, but I may not get injured too. Mr. Fierro knew the risk of running and grabbing that guy, but to him, he immediately assessed it and said, the guy's back is to me. I right. can grab him and disarm him. And he did it. And we can all do that, whether you're a server hostess the gunman came in through that front door and started shooting right. i guarantee you guarantee you i know this factually because i've seen enough of these he walked by five to ten people that immediately ducked down to the ground and he walked right by them. they could have also done what mr fierro had done had they had some simple training about okay look what you have he's entering the building his mindset is to kill as many as he can he starts shooting he walks right by you. Yes, your first instinct is to run. And if that's what you do, I'm with you 100%. But your second instinct might be if you're taught, I can stop him. They've done it in Nashville, where a citizen saw a guy walking by with a gun before he killed anyone. They ran behind him and grabbed his gun and pinned it to his chest. Nobody died. He was going to kill people. That's what he said. And they grabbed the gun from behind. They did it in at the, at the Waffle House in uh, Tennessee, I think it was, I can't remember, Mr. Shaw, James Shaw. Right. He knew after he was saw people going down, he said in his interview, if he was going to kill me, he was going to have to work to do it. And as soon as the gun jammed or he was reloading, his exact words, I jumped up and grabbed the gun. Okay. That ended the carnage. Okay. And, and so in this instance, what you're communicating is that there was training opportunities for people who work in the space of how they can fight. And that for the rest of us civilians who are going to these events, there are also, we also almost need to give ourselves permission if there's something we can do that will save lives to do it, right? Perfect analogy. Giving okay. ourselves permission, at least mentally role-playing, and, and we've done it in other things, whether right. it's bicycle riding, driving in a car, what do I do if I get a flat tire out here? Right. Uh, we, we do it, but we, we're not doing it within this scope. 
Okay. Well, let's talk about the unplanned shooting, the impulsive one, the person that just gets ticked off and pulls out their gun. How does this happen? How do how do these people bring guns into nighttime businesses? Who brings in these fire ammo? Why do they do this? Well, talk to us about that. You know, after talking to about 20 of these different guys that were, that were arrested, and I read about it in the paper, and I go back and do my research, and I finally talk to them, and inevitably it's one of four or five things. They had it just in case. When I say just in case what, their answer is, well, in case shit pops off. They don't want to be the one in a bad area or a bad fight without the gun, so they bring their gun. Now, remember, these are not normal, legally licensed gun carriers that are taught the rules of engagement, that are taught you can't legally bring your gun into the liquor license establishment. If you have your concealed carry permit in all states, you can't go into a bar. But these people aren't the ones we're worried about. We're worried about the ones that buy their gun on the street illegally, steal their gun, and carry it just in case. So they get by the front door. They're there to have a good time, Randall. They're there to have fun. How do they do it? How do they get by the front door? I've got, and- video, after, I've got video after video of that happening where they give it, if they're doing pat-downs of the men, because most clubs won't pat down women, they're afraid to. Okay. They, the guy gives it to the girl and she carries it in. Ah. Or are, are clubs, are can clubs pat down women? Absolutely. You okay. just have, you should have a female guard at the door, a female person at the door. However, I've got clients that are now leaning where they can't find enough women. They use a handheld wand, the, the magnetometer wand. Right. And the rule is if you can't pass the wand, you can't come in. Think about that. We don't have to put our hands on you, male or female. Right. If you can't pass the wand, you need to change the type of clips you have on your bra or your belt or your shoes or whatever it is. So it's about now it's about screening at every opportunity we can to pre- just prevent this. But but there are what? Why do people resist this? Why do businesses, why do bars, restaurants, clubs, hotels, venues? Old school operators have not caught up with the times. Um, I've gone to three different cities in my training and I'll stand outside and I'll have my dress shirt on with my tie. So I look professional. And I'll ask people, hey, do you mind that they're doing pat downs at the door? 95% of my respondents, over 1,000 people said, no, we like it. We know it's safe when they're doing that. But the owners of you know 70% of the clubs and bars are old school, and they think the appearance makes it look bad. Youth today have grown up with gun violence. We have to adapt. I mean, it's the same thing in one of the discussions 10 years ago was, I don't want my employees to have their cell phones on the property while they're right. working. Are you right. kidding? They were born with a cell phone in their hand. This is a part of life. You have to deal with it. And it's the same thing with gun violence. Young people accept pat downs at the door. They expect bag searches and they feel safe and comfortable when you're doing it. And f- and for these businesses, that might be the sales pitch, right? I mean, we all want our customers to feel safe in our place of business at night. We don't, any of us want to experience what happened in Las Vegas at the at the big outdoor country festival. Everybody that's wants to know that right. they go out at night, they're going to be safe. That's right. And that's my pitch to them. When I'm when I'm working with a client, large or small, I say, do you do pat downs at the door? No, we don't like the look of it. Why? And when I get to the owner and I could talk to the owner of the club right. and get them to see the value of doing it, many of them will go, you know what? All right, we'll try it for a month. And after a month, they keep doing it because they see the guests. All of a sudden, they're patting them on the back and saying, hey, thanks for doing that. We feel better about you doing that. Because and, the unplanned shooter is the one where you and I are having a drink at the bar. Right. He doesn't need to hit us, but he's running out while he's shooting at his assailant, his, his fighter, and we get hit. Right. Now, what are the characteristics about an um, unplanned shooter? They're, they're not going to, they're not like going to stalk through the whole place. And no, like a- that's, this is an important part of the discussion. 
when I get, and I, it's so wonderful to see employees in the industry when I say this, an active shooter, a planned shooter will keep shooting. Boom, 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 boom. And if you listen to the witnesses, one of the witnesses said it sounded like two or three balloons popping, but then it didn't stop. It kept going. Okay, you immediately know you have an active shooter planning to kill as many as he can. When you talk to people and look at the videos online of unplanned shootings where the, the violence occurs on the dance floor between two guys and the gun comes out, there's two, three shots and it stops because his plan was to have a good time. The plan was interrupted because he got in a fight. He lost the fight. He was losing the fight. He felt slighted. The gun comes out. He fires three or four rounds. And now his plan is to get away. I've got video of uh, 2013 or 14, I think, in uh, Valleys, the Dre's nightclub shooting. And that's exactly what he did. He shot three shots inside of a, of a foyer of a club. And now his plan was to get away. And as he's walking out, somebody decided to jump him from behind. Okay. That person ended up dying. Okay. Let him walk. Be the best witness you can be. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. So uh, these impulsive events, these unplanned shootings that take place, we, we hear about them all the time. Dallas, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Sacramento. What is a typical scenario of an unplanned shooting and how do business managers or employees or even patrons, how can they safely respond when they are, are aware that this is an unplanned impulsive event? From the beginning, screening your guests. You can't you can't let money get in your way. One of our clients, they don't want to pat down at the door because they know they have guests that'll pay $5,000 for a table for the night. And they just accept the fact that they're not going to get out of control and pull their gun hmm. if they have one. And I tell them, okay, if that's what you're going to do, okay, let's take these sections out of the policy manual because you're not going to do it. And I don't want, when you have that shooting, the unplanned. Other clients will say, Robert, what all can we do? Number one, screen at the door. Number two, when you start getting the arguments, it's time to go. It's an automatic, for FIFA, it's an automatic red card. If you get an argument, and it, it is intense argument, not just, hey, the Raiders or the Miami Heat or whatever the, the discussion is, if it's a true argument between a group of six or four, they've got to go. And once they're gone, you're not getting the unplanned shooting an hour later because it's not going to diminish. They're going to have more alcohol. They're going to get more unhinged, and the fight will erupt again, and then the gun comes out. Next, once you do detain, let's say two people are actually fighting and guards get there quick to grab them and wrap them up. That's a legal move to wrap and hold someone up who's fighting. It's legal in every state. Once you wrap someone up who's already violent, that's a detention. Pat them down. Check them for weapons right now. Because the second most common shooting is the unplanned after they're walked out. The bouncers grab a guy, they hold his arms, they stop the fight. But once they walk him out, he gets pissed off at them and his gun comes out and shoots up the front of the club as okay. he's running away. Right. So I am curious about one other thing. You mentioned alcohol service and people, once more alcohol gets poured in places that aren't necessarily alcohol driven, what would you recommend for like arts and cultural facilities, museums, hotels, other venues that are open at night that aren't necessarily alcohol driven? Do you see the incidence of, of shootings and of, of unplanned shootings in those or is it? Rare. I mean, it's less than 5% okay. in non-alcohol venues. Um, okay. And also in the teen venues, the all age is 18 and below. Yeah. Very rarely do the inside of these, these parties, these non-alcoholic events have shootings. Outside in the parking lot where the 18, 20, 24-year-olds are hanging out because they don't want to go in and pay $5 cover. They just hang out. They happen out there in the parking lot. But rarely 
is there a shooting that doesn't involve alcohol? In reading the number of stories that I see come across my computer every day, and we keep track of all these shootings around the United States, unplanned bar shootings, club shootings, 92% involve intoxication. Mm. So think about that. If bars and clubs are a little bit more responsible with dealing with alcohol service, we've just taken out one possible scenario that the guy gets so pissed off, unhinged, not thinking, uh, altered state, that he doesn't pull his gun out because he can rationally think. And again, this is the kind of thing that comes with training, comes with policy manuals, comes with every employee in the establishments knowing what to do and respond. I'm talking with Robert C. Smith. He's the CEO and president of Nightclub Security Consultants. You can learn more about his business at nightclubsecurity.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Bouncer Training or Bouncer Coach or Nightclub Security, depends on where you go, and has several YouTube videos up under Bouncer Training. Uh, Robert, I appreciate your time today. And we all share this heavy sadness when we witness these unspeakable acts taking place in the nightlife world, which we all want to be safer and more vibrant and more inclusive. I'm going to give you the final word, though. You hold the belief that shooting events will continue nightclubs, bars, et cetera, must start adding training into their business plans, just like server training and food handler training, and in some states, bouncer training and the like. That's correct, right? You just believe that it's going to happen. We need to be prepared, correct? So you mentioned two words. I want to add one more feeling I get when I see these shootings, and sometimes I'll voice them openly on social media. Uh, This one I haven't yet, anger. I get angry that three people shot, 12 wounded, and the suspect is caught a day later because it was an unplanned shooting. He started a fight, started an argument, was allowed to stay by the managers or the owner. No, no, no. He's okay now. We'll keep an eye on him. And an hour later, it erupts into violence and gunplay. I get angry at that because that is totally preventable. They just made the decision to not do what they could have done based on money. And I'm sorry if your owners and operators get mad at me for saying that. I think gun violence in bars and nightclubs will continue. I absolutely do. So what do you do next if you think that? You prepare for that. I think I'm gonna get a flat tire. So I make sure my spare is ready. I make sure my jack is ready. I'm doing what I do in my everyday life. There is nothing wrong with accepting that a hospitality venue might have gun violence. Let's just say it. You might have it in your bar, your local pub, your local restaurant. So because it might happen, let's prepare for the worst. Let's teach our staff what their jobs would be, what they can do, what they can do legally, what they should do. If you're just discussing it, that's a great start. That's the beginning of positive change. I I also keep track of the last thing here. My clients will tell me, they'll text me, they'll email me, uh, sometimes three, four, five in the morning because I'm on the West Coast and I've got many clients in the East Coast. And I'll wake up in the morning and I've got two texts from a club in one in Atlanta, one in Miami, Robert. Unbelievable. My guys tonight found a gun in a guy when he was fighting. To me, I, I get I get emotional. I get goosebumps because they may have just prevented another death because once they detained the guy, they found his gun in the back of his pants and they took it and they called the police. Done. There will be no shooting after that. It can be done if the training is in place from ownership to managers to team members. It can be done and we can save lives. This has been Season 1, Episode 26, and a special edition of the 24 Minutes Podcast from 24 Hour Nation. 
24-Hour Nation provides news and information for nighttime advocates and adventurers. Follow us online at 24hournation.com and on social media at 24hournation. My name is Randall White. Thank you for listening.